Chapter 5. The Steward and the King Over the city of Gondor doubt and great dread had hung. Fair weather and clear sun had seemed but a mockery to men whose days held little hope, and who looked each morning for news of doom. Their lord was dead and burned. Dead lay the king of Rohan in their citadel, and the new king that had come to them in the night was gone again to a war where powers too dark and terrible for any might or valour to conquer. And no news came. After the host left Morgul Vale and took the northward road, beneath the shadow of the mountains, no messenger had returned, nor any rumour of what was passing in the brooding east. When the captains were but two days gone, the Lady Arwen bade the woman who tended her to bring her raiment, and she would not be gainsaid, but rose, and when they had clothed her and set her arm in a sling of linen, she went to the warden of the Houses of Healing. Sir, she said, I am in great unrest, and I cannot lie longer in sloth. Lady, he answered, you are not yet healed, and I was commanded to tend you with special care. You should not have risen from your bed for seven days yet, or so I was bidden. I beg you to go back. I am healed, she said, healed at least in body, save my left arm only, and that is at ease. But I shall sicken anew if there is naught that I can do. Are there no tidings of war? The woman can tell me nothing. There are no tidings, said the warden, save that the lords have ridden to Morgul Vale, and men say that the new captain out of the north is their chief. A great lord is that, and a healer. And there's a thing passing strange to me, that the healing hand should also wield the sword. It is not thus in Gondor now, though it once was so if old tales be true that for long years we healers have only sought to patch the rents made by the men of swords. Though we should still have enough to do without them, the world is full enough of hurts and mischances without wars to multiply them. One it needs but one foe to breed a war, not two, Master Warden, answered Eowyn, and those who have not swords can still die upon them. Would you have the folk of Gondor gather you herbs only when the Dark Lord gathers armies? And it is not always good to be healed in body, nor is it always evil to die in battle, even in bitter pain. Were I permitted, in this dark hour, I would choose the latter. The warden looked at her. Tall she stood there, her eyes bright in her white face, her hand clenched as she turned and gazed out of the window and opened to the east. He sighed and shook his head. After a pause she turned to him again. Is there no deed to do, she said. Who commands in this city? I do not rightly know, he answered. Such things are not my care. There is marshal over the riders of Rohan, and Lord Hurin, I am told. Lord Hurin commands the men of Gondor. But the Lord Faramir is right by the steward of the city. Where can I find him? In this house, lady. He was sorely hurt, but is now set again on the way to health. But I do not know... Will you not bring me to him? Then you will know. The Lord Faramir was walking alone in the garden of the Houses of Healing, and the sunlight warmed him, and he felt life run new in his veins, but his heart was heavy, and he looked out over the walls eastward. In coming, the warden spoke his name, and he turned and saw Lady Erwin of Rohan. He was moved with pity, for she saw that she was hurt. He saw that she was hurt, and his clear sight perceived her sorrow and unrest. My lord, said the warden, here is the lady Eowyn Rohan. She rode with the king and was sorely hurt, 
and dwells now in my keeping. But she is not content, and she wishes to speak to the steward of the city. Do not misunderstand him, Lord, said Eowyn. It is not lack of care that grieves me. No houses should be fairer for those who desire to be healed. But I cannot lie in sloth, idle, caged. I looked for death and battle, but I have not died, and the battle still goes on. At a sign from Faramir, the warden bowed and departed. What would you have me do, lady? said Faramir. I also am a prisoner of the healers. He looked at her, and being a man whom pity deeply stirred, it seemed to him that her loveliness amid her grief would pierce his heart. And she looked at him and saw the grave tenderness in his eyes, and yet knew, for she was bred amongst men of war, that here was one whom no rider of the mark would outmatch in battle. What do you wish? he said again. If it lies in my power, I will do it. I would have you command this warden and bid him to let me go, she said. But though her words were still proud, her heart faltered, and for the first time she doubted herself. She guessed that this tall man, both stern and gentle, might think her merely wayward like a child who has not the firmness of mind to go on the dull task to the end. I am myself in the warden's keeping, answered Faramir, nor have I yet taken up my authority in the city. But had I done so, I should still listen to his counsel and should not cross his will in matters of his craft, unless in some great need. But I do not desire healing, she said. I wish to ride into war like my brother Aomer, or better like Thadden the king, for he died, and has both honour and peace. It is too late, lady, to follow the captains, even if you had the strength, said Faramir. But death and battle may come to us all yet, willing or unwilling. You will be better prepared to face it in your own manner, if there is still time you... Sorry. If while there is still time, you do as the healer commands. You and I, we must endure with patience. The hours are waiting. She did not answer, but as he looked to her, it seemed to him that something in her softened, as though a bit of frost were yielding at the first faint presage of spring. A tear sprang in her eye and fell down her cheek like glistening raindrop. Her proud head drooped a little, then quietly, more as if speaking to herself than to him. But the healers would have me lie in bed seven days yet, she said, and my window does not look eastward. Her voice now changed to that of a maiden, young and sad. Faramir smiled, though his heart was filled with pity. Your window does not look eastward, he said. That can be amended. In this I will command the warden. If you stay in this house and in our care, lady, take your rest, and then you will walk in the garden in the sun as you will, and you will look east, whither all our hopes have gone. And here you will find me walking and waiting and also looking east. It would ease my care if you would speak to me or walk at whiles with me. She raised her head and looked him in the eyes again, and colour came to her pale face. How should I ease your care, my lord? And I do not desire the speech of lying, a uh, speech of living men. Would you have my plain answer? he said. I would. Then, Eowyn of Rohan, I say to you that you are beautiful. In the valleys of the hills there are flowers fair and bright, and maidens fairer still. 
but neither flower nor lady have I seen now till in Gondor so lovely and so sorrowful. It may be that only a few days are left ere darkness falls upon our world, and when it comes I hope to face it steadily. But it would ease my heart if while the sun yet shines I could see you still. For you and I have both passed under the wings of the shadow, and the same hand held and drew us back. Alas, not me, Lord, she said. Shadow lies on me still. Look not to me for healing. I am a shield maiden, and my hand is ungentle. But I thank you for this at least, that I need not keep to my chamber. I will walk abroad by the grace of the steward of the city. And she did him a curtsy, and walked back to the house. But for Faramir, for a long while, walked alone in the garden, and his glance now strayed rather to the house than to the eastward walls. When he returned to his chamber, he called for the warden, and heard all that he could tell of the Lady of Rohan. I doubt not, Lord, said the warden, that you would learn more from the halfling that is with us, for he was in the riding of the king, and with the lady at the end, they say. And so Mary was sent to Faramir, and while that day lasted, they talked long together, and Faramir learnt much, more even than Mary put into words, and he thought that he understood now something of the grief and the unrest of Eowyn of Rohan. And in the fair evening, Faramir and Mary walked into the garden, but she did not come. But in the morning, as Faramir came home from the houses, he saw her, and she stood upon the walls, and she was clad in all white, gleaming in the sun. And he called to her, and she came down, and they walked on the grass or sat under the green tree together, now in silence, now in speech. And each day after they did likewise. Each day after they did likewise. And the warden, looking from his window, was glad in heart, for he was a healer, and his care was heart lightened, and certain it was that heavy as was the dread and foreboding of those days upon the hearts of men. Still these two of his charges prospered and grew daily in strength. And so the fifth day came since the Lady Eowyn first to, to Faramir, and they stood now together once more upon the walls of the city and looked up. No tidings had yet come, and all hearts were darkened. The weather too was bright no longer. It was cold. A wind that had sprung up in the night was blowing now keenly from the north, and it was rising. But the lands about looked grey and drear. They were clad in wooden raiment and heavy cloaks, and over all Lady Eowyn wore a great blue mantle of the colour of the deep summer night, and it was set with silver stars about hem and throat. Faramir had sent for this robe and wrapped it about her, and he thought that she looked fair and queenly indeed as she stood there by his side. The mantle was wrought for his mother, Findulus of Amroth, who died untimely, and it was to him but a memory of loveliness and fair days of his first grief, and her robe seemed to him a raiment fitting for the beauty and sadness of Eowyn. But she now shivered beneath the starry mantle, and she looked northward above the grey heather lands to the eye of the cold wind far away, where the sky was hard and clear. What do you look for, Eowyn? said Faramir. Does not the black gate lie yonder? said she, and must he not now be coming thither? It is seven days since he rode away. Seven days, said Faramir, but think not ill of me if I say to you, they have brought me both joy and pain that I never thought to know. Joy to see you, but pain because I now 
because now the fear and doubt of this evil time are growing darker. Erwin, I would not have this world end now, or lose so soon what I have found. Lose what you have found, Lord, she answered. But she looked at him gravely, and her eyes were kind. I know not what these days you have found that you could lose, but come, my friend, let us not speak of it. Let us not speak at all. I stand upon some dreadful brink, and it is utterly dark in the abyss before my feet. But whether there is any light behind me, I cannot tell. I can't turn. I wait for some stroke of doom. Yes, we wait for the stroke of doom, said Faramir. And they said, no more. And it seemed to them as they stood upon the wall that the wind died, and the light failed, and the sun was blared, and all sounds in the city or in the lands about were hushed. Neither wind, nor voice, nor bird call, nor rustle of leaf, nor their own breath could be heard. The very beating of their hearts was stilled. Time halted. And as they stood so, their hands met and clasped, though they did not know it. And still they waited, for they knew not what. Then presently it seemed to them that above the ridges of the distant mountains another vast mountain of darkness rose, towering up like a wave that should engulf the world. And about it lightnings flickered, and then a tremor ran through the earth, and they felt the walls of the city quiver. A sound like a sigh went up from all the lands about them, and their hearts beat suddenly again. It reminds me of Numenor, said Faramir, and wondered to hear himself speak. Of Numenor, said Erwin. Yes, of the land of Westerness that founded of the great dark wave climbing over the green lands and above the hills and coming on. Darkness unescapable. I often dream of it. Then you think that the darkness is coming, said Erwin. Darkness inescapable. And suddenly she drew close to him. No, said Faramir, looking in her face. It was just a picture of my mind. I don't know what's happening. The reason of my waking mind tells me that great evil has befallen, and we stand at the end of days. But my heart says nay, and all my limbs are light, and hope and joy are come to me that no reason can deny it. Eowyn, Eowyn, white lady of Rohan, in this hour I do not believe that any darkness will endure. He stooped and kissed her brow. And so they stood in the walls of the city of Gondor, and the great wind rose and blew, and their hair, raven and golden, streamed out, mingling in the air. And the shadow departed, and the sun was unveiled, and a light leapt forth, and the waters of Undoan shone like silver. And in all the houses of the city men sang for the joy that welled up in their hearts from what sources they could not tell. And before the sun had fallen far from the noon out of the east, there came a great eagle flying, and he bore tidings beyond hope from the lords of the west, crying, Sing now, ye people of the Tower of Anor, for the realm of Sauron is ended for ever, and the dark tower is thrown down. Sing and rejoice, ye people of the Tower of God, and with your watch hath not been in vain, and the black gate is broken. And your king hath passed through. He is victorious. Sing and be glad, all ye of the west, for your king has come again, 
and he shall dwell among you in all the days of your life. And the tree that was withered shall be renewed, and he shall plant in it in high places. The city shall be blessed. Sing, sing all ye people. And the people burst into song in all the ways of the city. The days that followed were golden, and spring and summer joined and made revel together in the fields of Gondor. And tidings now came by swift riders from Carondros of all that was done. The city was made ready for the coming of the king. Mary was summoned and rode away with the wains that took store of the goods to Osgiliath, and thence by ship to Carondros. But Faramir did not go. For now, being healed, he took upon him the authority and stewardship, although it was only for a little while, and his duty was to prepare for one who should replace him. And Eowyn did not go, though her brother sent word begging her to come to the field of Cormalan. And Faramir wondered at this. He saw her seldom, being busy with many matters, and she dwelt still in the houses of healing and walked alone in the garden. Her face grew pale again, and it seemed that all in the city she was only ailing. Sorry. It seemed that all in the city she only was ailing and sorrowful. And the warden of the houses were troubled and spoke with Faramir. Then Faramir came and sought her, and once more they stood in the walls together, and he said to her, Erwin, why do you carry, tarry here, and not go to the rejoicing of Cormelan beyond Carondros, where your brother awaits you? And she said, Do you not know? And he answered, Two reasons there may be, but which is true, I do not know. I do not want to speak at riddles, she said. Speak plainer. If you will have it so, lady, she said, he said. You do not go, because only your brother called for you. And to look on Lord Aragorn, Elendil's heir, and his triumph would now bring you no joy. Or because I do not go, and you desire still to be near me. Or maybe for both these reasons, and you yourself cannot choose between them. Ewan, do you not love me? Or will you not? I wish to be loved by another, she answered. But I desire no man's pity. That I know, he said. You desire to have the love of Lord Aragon. Because he is high and puissant, and because you wish to have renown and glory and to be lifted far above the mean things that crawl on the earth. And as a great captain, made to a young soldier, he seemed to you admirable. For so he is, a lord among men, and the greatest that now is. But when he gave you only understanding and pity, then you desired to have nothing, unless a brave death and death battle. Look at me, Erwin. Erwin looked at Faramir long and steadily, and Faramir said, Do not scorn pity that is the gift of a gentle heart, Erwin. But I do not offer you my pity. For you are a lady high and valiant, and you yourself are one renowned that shall not be forgotten. You are a lady beautiful, I deem beyond even the words of the elven tongue can tell. And I love you. Once I pitied your sorry, sorrow, but now were you sorrowless, without fear or any lack, were you the blissful queen of Gondor, I would still love you. Owen, do you not love me? Then the heart of Owen changed, or, or else she understood it, and suddenly her winter passed and the sun shone on her. I stand in Minasenor, the Tower of the Sun, she said, and behold, the shadow has departed. <laughs> 
I will be a shield maiden no longer, nor vie with the great riders, nor take joy only in the songs of slaying. I will be a healer, and love all things that grow, and not barren. And again she looked at Faramir. I no longer desire to be queen, she said. Then Faramir laughed merrily. That as well, he said, for I am not a king. Yet I will wed with the white lady of Rohan, if it be her will. And if she will, then let us cross the river, and in happier days let us dwell in fair Athelion, and there make a garden. All things will grow with joy there, if the white lady comes. Then I must leave my own people, man of Gondor, she said. Would you have your proud folks say of you, there goes the lord who tamed a wild shield maiden of the north? Was there no woman in the race of Numenor to choose? I would, said Faramir, and he took her in his arms, and they kissed under the sunlit sky, and he cared not that they stood high upon the walls in the sight of many. And many indeed saw them, and there was the light that shone about them as they came down from the walls and went hand in hand in the houses of healing. And to the warden of the houses, Faramir said, Here is Lady Eowyn of Rohan, and she is healed. And the warden said, Then I release her from my charge, and bid her farewell, and she may never suffer hurt nor sickness again. I commend her care to the steward of the city until her brother returns. But Eowyn said, Yet now I have to leave to depart, I would remain, for this house has become to me of all dwellings the most blessed. And she remained there until King Eomer came.